Hey, what's up, comic book fans? This is me from Comic Book Transform, where we talk about the adaptations from comic books into movies and streaming shows. Now, uh, the property that we're talking about today is something that we've never talked about on this channel. And so I'm super happy to have my good friend over there, Mike Bongiorno from Pop Culture Man Children. Hello. How you doing, Mike? Hello, how are you? I'm good, man. I am very excited because, um, like I was just saying, we haven't covered this property. I'm talking about Doctor Who. Yeah. And I have a history with Doctor Who. I'll tell you about it, but I'm very curious about yours. So when did you first start watching Doctor Who? Uh, 2009. I was in mm -hmm. grad school, and I don't remember how. I don't remember mm -hmm. why. I mean, that was a very fuzzy time. There was a lot. <laughs> you know, I was smoking marijuana like all day, every day <laughs> at that time. Right. Um, I had a very weird life at the time. Yeah. Um, and uh, I went through all of Eccleson, Tennant, and the beginning of Matt Smith. And then from then on, I was just following it as it aired. And I've watched it the whole way through. Like, I know a lot of people fell off. I very much liked um, Peter Capaldi. And mm -hmm. I liked Jodie Whittaker as the doctor. I didn't think her stories were very well written. Okay. But I, I've i liked almost every person to play the doctor. Actually, my least favorite is Matt Smith. Mm, interesting. Um, okay. But... I got to say, I feel a little bit of that buzz that I felt when I first yep. saw A Force Awakens. I was like, mm -hmm. oh my God, we're back. We're, 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 we're doing it. Yeah. It yeah. feels like Doctor Who. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Really good point. And Doctor Who, just to give context to what we're talking about today, we're talking about the um, 60th anniversary special, which has been broken into three one hour segments. And uh, the first one is called The Star Beast. And it sees the return of David Tennant, which yeah. that's kind of like those X-Wings in the Force Awakens trailer, <laughs> right? It's just kind of like, oh, I recognize that. I know yeah, that. Yeah. That's from when I was a fan. So it sounds like <laughs> actually you and I are who appreciation is kind of similar. I, um, I I actually distinctly remember when I first started watching it. Um, it was on the Sci-Fi channel and I caught one of the uh, Eccleston episodes. I had no idea what the fuck was going on. I didn't know any of the lore of the show. I just knew it existed. It's one of those things like through osmosis, just being into right. science fiction and stuff. You kind of know some of the details. Right, right. And then um, I, I think I, I maybe watched one episode that had a Dalek in it. And I was just so blown away by this weird kind of like retro sci-fi vibe that it had. Like when one of the Daleks zapped a soldier and you could see their skeleton on the inside yeah. I was like, whoa, this reminds me of like sort of like 1960s sci-fi. Yeah, Did, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah it, I mean, it's so funny when you look at like Eccleson and I mean, now it's on Disney Plus and you see the Disney logo, which blows my mind. And yeah. it, looks, it looks like it looks so good now. I mean, the amount of money they're spending now is incredible. Even in, from like Eccleson's time to now or the beginning of Dear Tenant to now, it's like, holy shit like they've got a lot of yeah resources now yeah yeah especially like behind us right now for those of you that are just listening i have a picture of the inside of the tardis now like the 14th doctor's tardis and it's just incredible the inside yeah. of it you know this gigantic set um so you know i i did see the doctor regenerate and for me that was kind of a revelation i think that like when it comes to each of these franchises, there's kind of like a key thing that everyone always obsesses about. Yeah. And I think that 
when it's a person that's like an outsider that kind of just knows about the franchise, mm. there's one aspect that everyone cares about, even if they don't actually watch the show, right? And I think the regeneration is the thing that everyone kind of yeah. obsesses about. So um, I was going to ask you. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say just as an example, that's like I no longer really care about Marvel, but I want to know what the stinger scene is in every movie. I'm always yeah. like, what was the end credits? What what did they tease? What what happened? Right, right. Which character are they bringing in? Right. Exactly, yeah. 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 So um, when you watched it, right, because I think you said that you started with Christopher Eccleston. Did you start at the very beginning of his season or was it just kind of random? Yeah, I started at the at the time I started. They were all it was all on Netflix. OK, so I started at the beginning of Christopher Eccleston, which I think is a good place to start. Hell I yeah. should say over the years. I have watched, I'd say, a handful of uh, the fourth Doctor episodes. I think I watched the first three or four stories of the first Doctor. Oh, so cool. I did a little bit of um, experience with the older Doctors, but certainly not all of it. Yeah. Um, but those are the real hardcore fans. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, the I have watched a couple of the older Doctor Who episodes, too. There was this one guy, uh, his name was Mitch, and his brother Matt plays role-playing games at me. And they would have almost like a movie night and it would be just like we go watch old Doctor Who episodes. Yeah. And I watched some really great old Tom Baker, Fourth Doctor episodes. Um, I have not seen anything with the First Doctor at all. I've seen like stuff with uh, Patrick Troughton, John yeah. Pertwee. Uh, I didn't see anything with Sylvester McCoy, who was essentially like the last Doctor before yeah. the show ended. Um, but I was going to ask you, like, how do you feel about those shows the the old bbc doctor who well i mean they were like real teleplays i mean yeah you, you kind of have to go into them not expecting what doctor who is now mm -hmm. you're almost watching a play i mean often it's dialogue driven and it's in like one or two locations um i do like the fourth doctor i think and i'm not the first person to say this that in the sort of cultural consciousness, the fourth doctor is the doctor. Still, right. the fourth doctor was the doctor the longest. He was the doctor longer than anyone else was the doctor. Right. I think a lot of the um, eccentricities and quirkiness that everybody brings to the character sort of begins with him. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't know. David Tennant might be giving him a run for his money. I mean, he's very, very popular. Yeah. And he came back for the 50th special, which was great. Mm -hmm. And now he's back again, and of course he's been doing a lot of the um, uh, the big finish, shows. yeah, yeah, which I think yeah. they all do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've listened to a couple of them too, but I was going to say, uh, do you have a particular new doctor that is your favorite? Is David Tennant your favorite? David Tennant is well. Sometimes I say Capaldi's my favorite because I like I like that he's mean and old. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, but Tenet, I don't know, Tenet was the one that I fell in love with. So it's like, you know, it's like the one I entered with. So in, in, in some aspects, when I see Tenet, it's like, yes, that, that is the doctor. That's a doctor that I judge every doctor on. Right. Right. Yeah. It's funny because, um, for me, I, I watched a few random episodes. I watched some of the Eccleston episodes, then he regenerated. I'm like, okay, who's this new guy? And I think I remember David Tenet from, um, Harry Potter and the uh, was a Goblet of Fire, right? He's in that one. Yes, yes. Yeah, and, and then you know I watched a couple episodes of him. I'm like, oh, this is fun. He's different from the other guy. 
then there comes the episode where Rose and him separate and she's yeah. in one other universe and he's in the other. And they do this sort of montage where they're on opposite ends of this wall. And yeah. I was like, wow, this is really good for this sort of cheesy science fiction show. Yeah. That's yeah. where I got hooked because the musical beats. And, um, you know, one thing that we should bring up too is that there's been essentially three showrunners since Doctor Who has come back. There's Russell T. Davies, there's Stephen Moffat, Chris Chinnaball. Is that the. No. What's that? Kibnall. Kibnall. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And, um, like Russell T Davies, especially, I think he was very much a fan or like really wanted them to have this like crazy orchestral music, you know? And, and, uh, did you ever see that special where it's just like the music of Dr. Who and like David Tennyson? Yeah. 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 He came back too. the, the, uh, what's his name? Murray gold was the composer for all of Russell T Davies era and all of, Stephen Moffat's era, and then when Moffat left, um, that's the show is really the show itself really kind of is reborn or regenerated with Joey <laughs> Wilson as the Doctor, Chris Chibnall as the showrunner, and I sorry I forget their name, another person doing the music. Okay. So now for this 60th anniversary special, or for for the foreseeable future, Russell T Davies is back as the showrunner, right? And he just. We, we'll get into it, but I love him. And Murray Gold is back, and he's using some of the old themes. I, uh, you know, I get chills hearing like, well, uh, the David Tennant's theme, which is called "The Doctor Forever," yeah. And even some of Matt Smith's themes are used in this first episode. And yeah. um, Tennant's back, so, so uh, you know, it's not a, it's not a secret that the show has not been doing well in terms of ratings and public appeal over the last couple of years. Right. I think some of it has to do with fatigue. And I think some of it has to do with people having a negative reaction to uh, a female doctor. But yeah. um, I think the BBC was really just like, let's start again. Like literally like Russell T. Davies, you brought it back from the dead after 15 or 16 years off the air. You, he, Russell Davies really invented modern doctor who. Yes. yes he gives yes. a lot of credit to things like Buffy and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, like Monster of the Week and very fast-paced, funny dialogue, stuff like that. Right. And um, he's, he brought back Tenet and he brought back Murray Gold. And so it really feels like – and, of course, you have Donna back, which is a fan favorite um, uh, companion. There yeah. are two more, There are two more Christmas specials – sorry, there are two more 60th anniversary specials. And then uh, a couple weeks later, there is a Christmas special, which will be the first special with Shudi Gatwa who is going to be the new doctor who will be, I guess the 15th doctor, the 15th doctor. Yeah. yeah. There even is like a little bit of confusion as to like, what number is the doctor? Because like they had like the war doctor. Yeah. Who, right. And then they had, um, David. The are all screwed up. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. And this, but, yeah. this one, it's not, he's not the 10th doctor. Now he is the 14th doctor. Right. They make a big deal out of that. Cause he dresses a little different and he has the memories of the last couple doctors. Right, right, right. And I want to get into that too with you for in a second, but um I know that you've been covering over on your channel Pop Culture Man Children. I know you've been covering like the Star Trek movies. Yeah. Are you a fan of the Star Trek show too, like the different versions of it? I've watched all of the original series. I've watched all of Lower Decks mm-hmm. <laughs> and I've watched only a handful of Next Gen. Oh, I'm sorry, I've also watched all of Strange New Worlds. Okay. So so Voyager 
and Deep Space Nine are the only ones I and Enterprise are the only ones which I always forget Enterprise are the only ones that I have very little experience with. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Like I'm a I'm actually a huge Star Trek fan. I'm like way more of a Star Trek fan than I'm a Doctor Who fan. And um, no one is shocked. What's that? Nobody's shocked. Yeah. Right. 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 And the thing is, right, is that uh, with Star Trek and Doctor Who, it's kind of a similar thing because. You know, you had this old kind of version of the show, which the fans are used to. Yeah. And then there's like this revitalization, you know, years and years later, and they feel different. Like you had talked before about how like the original show felt almost like a uh, a play. Yeah. Um, I think one of the main differences from the original show and now is that it was like you'd have multiple episodes that were the same story arc. And it wasn't like modern television where it's like, oh, maybe there's a couple of monsters of the week and then there's the big bad. Right, right. Or it's like a season-long crisis. It was just like four episodes is this one problem and four episodes yeah. is another problem. And, and with Doctor... Minutes. Yeah. And, and the new Doctor Who is like, it's just very much like Monster of the Week, like you said. And yeah. and um, yeah, shorter. Do you prefer one style to the other? I really... That's a really interesting question because... I do like the contemporary style, which not just Doctor Who, use, uh, Doctor Who uses, but a lot of genre uses, which is you kind of have Monster of the Week, but there is an overarching thing above us that you kind of reach at the end of the season. But um, sometimes uh, I have felt over the last couple of years that sometimes that could be too much. Mm -hmm. um, and it's getting predictable. I actually liked in this episode, the, fir the Star Beast, it ended with the villain going, wait till I tell the boss. Right, right. Goes, uh, I almost kind of fourth wall breaking, like, oh, that's cryptic. I really hate that. <laughs> it's still like, oh, okay, of course, there's always that. Right, right, right. And I think the boss is going to be Neil Patrick Harris, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, I, I actually kind of prefer the older Doctor Who storytelling because older doctor who just feels like this different thing just as i prefer like next generation and the original series to the stuff that's on paramount plus you know I, I feel like with modern storytelling uh some of us so much of it is like focused on emotion and like yeah, yeah. the solution to problems usually has to do with characters emotions whereas uh -huh. older science fiction shows like star trek and the original doctor who was about like problem solving and like kind of practical oh we need to figure out how this works and so um i i kind of prefer that over like emotional stuff and uh i mean even this most recent uh special is very much like kind of about emotions and kind of oh, dealing yeah, with yeah, things yeah. you know so um we've kind of danced around it a little bit let's talk about the star beast and so we have the return of donna noble and we see her family and we have the 14th doctor arriving on earth yeah. So, um, are you a fan of Don, Donna Noble? Is she like one of your favorite companions? Yeah, she is. She is. I mean, my favorite companion of the Tenant Era is Martha. Okay. Um, but Donna Noble is almost, I think, like because there was no sexual tension between them, they were just best friends. And she was so funny and um, she was like a breath of fresh air when she came in. I think she, in some ways, she's like even more than Rose, the quintessential. Uh, companion to Tenet. They get their chemistry is so good together. Um, so yeah, I, I, I and her story ended in a very you know, like you were saying about when Rose is sent into a different universe, there's like three or four big 
tragic moments in Doctor Who, which like every Doctor Who fan will be like, oh, that's the moment where I cry. And another big one was the end of Donna's story originally, which was, if you're not familiar with it, um, she took some of the doctor's being or energy, whatever, into her body. And, and that was too much for her human brain. So to save her life, he had to um, erase her memory. Yeah. So you couldn't remember all of the amazing things she did. And she went back to where she was when they first met her, which was sort of like insecure and unhappy. And mm-hmm. so that was such a sad ending. Yeah, and yeah. 15, I, they say 15 years in the show. And I was like, damn, it has been 15 years. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's crazy that Tennant still looks good. I, um, I know. He looks exactly the same. Yeah. Uh, 15 years later, they're they're getting back to it. And it's it's incredible. Yeah. It blows my mind that 10 years ago was the 50th anniversary special. Right. Yeah. It was like yesterday. Because that was what? such a big, huge deal, too. Yeah, I absolutely adore that uh, anniversary special, The Day of the Doctor with the three doctors. And the ending, sometimes I'll just watch the ending again on YouTube where like they're in the museum or the art gallery and then the 10th Doctor leaves and then you you see, um, what's his face show up again? Uh, Tom Tom Baker. Baker. Yeah, yeah. I love that moment. It's interesting because it establishes something that we're seeing now, which is that the Doctor can revisit an old version of himself right right and so that's a big thing that's in this uh special is that they're talking about like well why why has he gone back the doctor doesn't know and so um we're thinking that maybe it might have something to do with neil patrick harris's character because essentially once these specials are done he's gonna uh regenerate again so it's basically he's gonna be around for this episode we're talking about today and then two more and yeah. then he will regenerate into Shutigatwa, which is you might know him from um Barbie. The Barbie movie was the last big thing he did, right? He was I forget right. what I forget which Ken he was, but he was one of the Kens. Yeah. And um, so this was really like, you know, and I think it's a good way to do this because 50th was they led up to the 50th with all these different storylines. So the 50th became like this big finale slash like movie basically yeah yeah i think it was better this time around to go like you know what let's do like a few specials you know bring back we'll bring back a storyline from the comic that people like we'll bring back music that you like and just sort of like celebrate it and then from there we'll go to the new and but russell t davies staying on yes yeah exciting Oh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, that comic, I love it because they, they basically took that comic's cover and they made it like the poster for this special. It looks yeah. so good. I'm using it as the thumbnail for this episode. And, um, you know, the art is by, uh, you know, uh, Gibbons. David. Yeah, Dave Gibbons, who also did Watchmen, Watchmen of all yeah. things. I mean, many things, but, you know, Watchmen is what he's probably the most well known for. Um, have you read that comic? No, I haven't. I, I I didn't. I wasn't aware of it until after I saw the episode. I yeah. think the. Uh, I'm trying to remember what doctor it is. It's. It's it's Tom Baker. Oh, it's the fourth doctor. It's a fourth doctor story. Interesting. Mm-hmm. No, I haven't read it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have such a a sweet spot, you know, in my heart for like British Marvel comics. Because it was called Doctor Who Magazine, and right. Dave Gibbons is the artist, and uh, Pat Mills is the writer, and um, like there's something about like th- th- there was a, tr- a 
British Transformers comic in the eighties too, and that led into the American Transformers comic. Like the, like the writer from that came over from uh, the British comic onto the American comic. Okay. Simon Furman, yeah, and and uh, you know so many of my favorite favorite comic book writers of all time are from Britain and from the eighties, like right. Neil well, Gaiman, Grant right, Morrison. Right. Yeah. Right, right. What, what, what there was, it was like the British invasion, right? Wasn't there like, uh, like it was like in the eighties where you had Watchmen and and um, oh, was it Elastic Man or Plastic? No, Animal Animal, Animal Man. Mm -hmm. But Grant right. Morrison, yeah, and eventually like Doom Patrol that he did, you know, all yeah, this like yeah, Vertigo yeah. stuff, basically like giving yeah. birth to Vertigo, Swamp Thing, Swamp thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so I actually haven't read the comic either, but I'm assuming that it kind of has like the sensibilities of these like older comics that are written by British it creators. Looks like yeah, and, and, and just like a little side note, this is like an observation. I love talking about this kind of shit with you. Um, don't you feel like when it comes to British heroes, right? Like Sherlock Holmes, uh -huh. the doctor, uh, you know, doesn't it seem more like it's about a practical man or woman kind of solving problems versus like a sort of muscular fighter solving problems? That's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember there was a meme or, you know, something in the fan community that used to be passed around a lot online that was like the difference between the doctor and luke skywalker or the doctor and other and it was right. like our guy doesn't use a weapon he uses he uses a screwdriver because he wants to fix things right right um which is so true he's he ru runs around in a police box mm -hmm. and he wants to fix things his you know he has two hearts because he's twice as empathetic <laughs> right. right and it's all about you know the oath he took Right, never cruel or cowardly, never give up, never give in. You know, all it's it's all about like the you know, it's all about empathy, really. Yeah, yeah. Which is why, and, and I haven't alienated anybody yet. I might as well start now because you know Let's I do it. Too. Jump in there. Uh uh it this is why of all the toxic fandoms, the one that blows my mind the most is toxic Doctor Who fans. Oh boy! Because I can understand. All right, you're a Star Wars fan, and you don't like whatever. I don't whatever. Women. <laughs> right. But you're a Doctor Who fan. Doctor Who is the most liberal, wussy, big-hearted thing. Who like for me when I see a bigoted Doctor Who fan, I'm like, what do you like about this show? Like, what what have you been watching? Right, right, right. Like, <laughs> well, okay, so. You're opening up the can of worms and stuff. So I, I, I kind of wanted to go down this route. So they had this little clip where um, they showed David Tennant's 14th Doctor showing up on Scaros, which is where the Daleks come from. Yes. And, and okay, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and so basically Davros, the creator of the Daleks, he is um, just a regular looking person at this point. Yeah. Even though in, in the lore, he's like, he's got a burned face. His right. eyes don't work. He has extra eye appear. He's in a wheelchair. Yeah. And Russell T. Davies, I, I know you know this. I'm just kind of telling the whole audience. Yeah. Um, is that like he didn't want to have a disfigured or disabled villain. Right. And uh, I kind of wanted to hear your thoughts on that. Right. And some people were like, oh, you go woke, you go broke. Mom. <laughs> um, and then some people, which I understand this, were like, well, it's good to have representation of 
differently abled people, but you don't want them to necessarily be the villains. Right. Um, I honestly, maybe I'm wrong, but when I watched that, it was a clip. It was a little short film that was part of the um, Children in Need, which they do, I think, every year in England. Yeah. And um, I just thought it was earlier in the timeline. I to me, I was like, oh, he's not that yet because he seemed mm -hmm. young. Mm -hmm. and we, during, I don't know if you watched any of the Peter Capaldi episodes, but there's an episode, a really great, actually, it's a really great cold open of one of the Peter Capaldi episodes where he like, he lands and there's like a, this weird um, beach where like there are these hands coming out of the sand mm -hmm. and they're like landing you. And there's this little boy that he's trying to save and he finally saves him and he's like, what's your name? And he's like, my name's Davros. And he realized yeah. he just saved one of his arch enemies as a child. Right, right. Yeah, I, I actually have seen that cold open. That's really good. Yeah. yeah. So um, this was earlier. This yeah. Is, he's not there yet, but, you know. Yeah. And so I, I think that's, um, that makes sense, what you just said. You know, I, I, I personally think, like, that Davros, the character, his identity is kind of bound to his condition. Like, his identity is bound to being in a wheelchair-like device and not being able to see and having like an well, eye up here. It's more than a wheelchair. He is in a Dalek, basically. He's that's what's getting at. Yeah. yeah. Look, he, you know, like the Daleks in the in the lore were um characters that were not, they didn't look like what they look like now. And they I think they were radiated. It's changed over time. Yeah. But they threw their they were they were a metaphor for Nazis through their fascism and through their never-ending uh desire for war and empire they mutated and became these horrible evil in inorganic things yeah and he is sort of representing that right exactly he's essentially like one step before the daleks yeah so to me it makes sense to have him look like that i understand you don't want to just have disabled people being represented by villains right but even in this episode the star beast you have a, a woman who's in a wheelchair and she ends up saving everyone at one point too. Right, right, right. So I, I, I'm always a firm believer of let's make new characters that are positive representations of people that are normally not represented versus like reimagining an existing character. I understand. That, that's I just totally, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What were no, you going to say? I understand what you're saying. I don't know if I totally agree, um, but I, to I do understand what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, we could just kind of keep going down this this road. You know, do you feel like um, like have... YouTube doesn't show you the the unlikes anymore? <laughs> oh yeah, right. <laughs> I think on my channel though, the unlikes are represented by people just not watching. So you know, that's what happens. Just no one watches. You know, I. Uh, but just kind of going back to this episode now. Another thing that I, I'm sure, like that toxic Doctor Who fandom would glom onto, is that Donna Noble has a transgender daughter. And um, Danny and I, you yeah. know, on our other channel, The Lasser Cast, we were giving praise to certain movies that came out in the past year where th the idea of a person being a transgender person was not necessarily the the main yeah. issue or something they focused on. It was when we did our Evil Dead Rise yeah. review. Yeah, I was right? there for that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, duh, you were there. Jesus Christ. Okay, <laughs> sorry, sorry. But in this episode, essentially the only time they reference – oh, maybe there's two times. But essentially there's these like sort of bully boys that kind of come by on a bike yeah. and they, they call her by her 
original name. Yeah. And then uh, I think the grandmother says something too. Yeah. Well, but there's a big, it kind of does play into the end, which is, I, I found, I found fascinating, which is they make her um, almost in a way, a symbol for the doctor. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the end, uh, Donna remembers, but she does not die. And it's because she passed down the metacrisis into her child and the child um, has all those memories of the doctor in it, and and I know, and I when I watch it, I was like, this is amazing, and I can I could hear people's like forehead veins getting upset, <laughs> throbbing, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, Donna, the doctor says the doctor is male, and no, uh, Tennant says the doctor is male, and then Donna says, and the doctor is female, and um, then Rose, the daughter says um what does she what does she say she says and both and more oh yes 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 yeah yeah so, so it's interesting so for people who really wanted the return of tenant to be a to refute the former doctor and to try to like put to bed the female doctor that we had this is further further establishing Something it's it's in some ways even more radical than having a female doctor, because mm -hmm. it's establishing that the doctor is basically in a sense non-binary. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Because I don't know if, if you watch the Jodie Whittaker episodes, Jodie Whittaker had attraction to females. Mm. So, so and again, this is within line of contemporary gender and sexual theory. Like, despite the doctor being a male or a female, their their sexual preference was still towards female. It's not like Jodie Whittaker liked men all of a sudden. Right. Okay, that's interesting. I see. I have a blind spot for the Jodie Whittaker era because yeah. uh, what happened was, um, I kind of stopped midway for the Matt Smith stuff. I came back for the end of his run, which I really mm -hmm. loved, and then uh, Peter Capaldi. I think I watched a little bit of the first series and then I stopped, mm -hmm. and I didn't watch any of Jodie Whittaker. So you know way more than I do. Yeah. Um. So. You know, here's the thing. Russell T. Davies, his big thing before Doctor Who was he created Queer as Folk, which was a... He, really? A, I didn't know yeah, that. Not the, not the HBO one, the original English. The British? Okay. I, I don't know how much he has to do with the American remake, but that was his first big thing. And he's a very, very open gay man and, yeah. and hugely liberal, progressive man. Yeah. So he really changed the Doctor in many ways. I mean... If you and I'm not the first person to have to say this, but if you look at the older doctor, he was very liberal and he was very much a hero, but in some ways he was very um um sort of colonial. Like he, <laughs> yeah. he thought of the aliens he was saving as not necessarily on his level. Whereas when Russell T. Davies reinvented the show and reinvented the doctor, he became much more of this sort of big hearted progressive openly loving person mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. know love is what saves the day yes yes and uh there's a lot of that in this episode there's this great part where david Tennant, he's telling donna after she has her memories back that like losing her like killed him inside it killed yeah. him killed him. he says it like multiple times you know and yeah there's this emotional just 
Yeah, it's it's definitely different from the pre-Russell T. Davies era. I was going to say, though, um, you and I, it seems like every time that we record that we always talk about The Last Jedi yeah. and we talk about Rise of Skywalker. Now, Rise of Skywalker is this sort of like knee-jerk reaction to The Last Jedi as they're trying to like write things that maybe the fandom thought was wrong or a right. part of the fandom thought was wrong. Don't you feel like this is kind of the inverse of that scenario? Right. I, I And my fear was that it wasn't. My fear was, oh, no, they're bringing back Tenet. They're, 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 they're not just going back to a man. They're going back to the most famous man. Man, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, maybe in some ways that's what the BBC wanted. But what Russell T. Davies is giving us mm. is he's in no way discounting any of the canon or continuity of what Jody brought. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he in that in the first episode, we have a, a transgender main character who is who basically says I'm trans because the part of the doctor is me and something about the doctor is essentially non-binary, which is wild. Mm-hmm. Although, you know, people can argue whether or not that's good or bad or whether it makes sense because it seems like the character Rose is female presenting. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it does feel like an inverse because it's sort of saying like, you know, we are not going to back down. We're not going to listen to the most vocal, vitriolic, uh, small-minded part of our fandom. Right. Be- you know, because the, the small-minded, vitriolic part of any fandom, whether it's comic books, Star Wars, Star Trek, or Doctor Who. has toxicity into it. Every fandom has toxicity, I believe. I, I can't think of any fandom, very few fandoms I can think of that like have no toxicity in it. Right, I mean, right. Yeah, I mean, it's... Right. And, and the thing is, is that like... The, Care Bears, the, I don't know, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Care Bears, yeah, maybe, yeah. Um, or Shira, right? But like... Um, Not even. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. But I was going to say that like there seems to be two different camps in that small vitriolic group where it's like people that are like, this isn't what would happen in the story. These characters wouldn't make this decision. This isn't the way it used to be in the old days. Then there's the other side, which is like, Oh, there's, there's too many women or there's too many black people. And, and sometimes what'll happen is you'll get people that are kind of a mix of both and, and, you know, they'll inspire each other or there's some that are okay with one part, but they're not okay with the other part. And I think that like, the Last Jedi and the Star Wars sequels got a combination of both. Right. And, well, and- I want to make clear that I think if you don't like The Last Jedi in terms of its storytelling or whatever, or if you don't like the Jodie Whittaker, like I said, Jodie Whittaker, I think is a good doctor, but I think her stories, the writing is the weakest. Right. So, so if you have critical beliefs, um, of that kind, I, I, I don't want to lump you together with bigots. Although I would say, look within yourself and ask yourself, is any of that informing your beliefs? Because sometimes people say, I, I'm not a bigot. I'm just, I'm just so fucking furious that the last Jedi had Luke and he didn't do anything cool. And it's like that level of anger that you're at feel that doesn't feel like normal anger towards a movie like maybe <laughs> maybe look at maybe what's the well that's feeding that yes and yes see what's there mm-hmm. 
Well, I want to I want to address that well because I know I, I did a little research into Doctor Who uh, prepping for this return, and I know that there's this controversy with the Jodie Whittaker Doctor with the Timeless Child. Yes. Okay, and so I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on that. Like, what did you think of that whole revelation? It's not great. It noted it. Know what they did, Pete? The best way to explain it is they added a lot more canon as a way of trying to shed canon. And I know that sounds like it doesn't make sense, but the idea was um, in the original show for, for the first many seasons, we had, we knew nothing about the doctor other than he was alien. And then as time went on, we learned more and more. And then there was the master. We learned Gallifrey and we learned what time Lords were. And by the time you got to like the Matt Smith era, we knew a lot. We knew that he had a real name and blah, blah, blah. We knew so much. He ran away because of this and that. So what Chibnall wanted to do was wanted to bring it back to, we know nothing about the doctor. The doctor's a total mystery. But how do you do that with all this continuity? He added this storyline where basically the doctor finds out that the Time Lords had been lying to him. He's not just any old Time Lord. In fact, the Time Lords learned how to regenerate themselves from him Right. Because they just found this child somewhere. Right. So the I so it was so you understand what I'm saying? Like it was an attempt to sort of re default factory default back to the beginning of we know nothing about the doctor. Yeah. But that pissed people off, and I can understand why. I mean, it's super, super convoluted. I have to say, I liked a lot of Jody Whitaker's individual stuff. Like, I really love the Rosa Parks episode. Um, uh, fucking liberal, but I, <laughs> but no, I like a lot of her individual stories, but Jodie Whittaker's bigger arcs, I think don't really work. Okay. And because that a lot of her finales, I think don't really work. Okay. Yeah. See, and I didn't watch most of it. I know that like Chibnall, he was a writer on the show during the Stephen Moffat era. And I think that some yes. people didn't really like his episodes during that time. He either. Was, well, Chibnall had a really good. A grasp on character and a really a really good grasp on drama but he didn't have he didn't have the sci-fi bones you know what i mean like the, the sci-fi which you need that weird sci-fi brain i don't think chibnall had it as much yeah hmm. I, yeah I, I i'm not knowledgeable enough to kind of give my two cents on it but um th- this doesn't really contradict that though this special no, it doesn't. And Judge Russell T. Davies has said in interviews that he's not going to contradict it. Okay. But he's okay. also, I think, not going to address it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they do that a lot in comic books, that's for sure. Um, so bringing it back to the Star Beast, didn't you feel like it was a lot like E.T. when Rose yeah. discovered the Star Beast? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It was like E.T. Um <laughs> Yeah, and I think that was purposeful. I think yeah. you know it was an homage, especially when the when the the meep is like hiding amongst the toys. It's absolutely oh, yeah. from ET. Yes, yes. So um, I, I typed this out when I was uh, watching the episode, but the what are they called? The Rarth? Rarth? Can I say that those fucking aliens that look like grasshoppers? The Rarth? It, look, it looks like it's Wraith, but I don't think it's said like, I think it's like Wrath Warriors or something. Wrath Warriors. Okay, I'll just say Wrath Warriors. Um, I'm starting to sound like fucking Scooby-Doo over here. Wrath? Wrath? The Wrath, <laughs> the wrath Warriors um, are trying to get the Meep at first, and you're under the impression 
that like, oh, you know, they're trying to get it for some evil reason, but it turns out the Meep is this fucked up creature. Yeah. And um, when they start flying around, I'm like, holy shit, they look like parademons from uh, yeah. DC, right? Yeah, yeah, yes. So, uh, oh, shout out to Scott Snyder there, right? Um, but Zach I, or Snyder. Zach Snyder, I always fucking do that. I always do that. Uh, and it, yeah. Go ahead. Scott Snyder's a comic book writer. Oh, I was going to say, is there another person? Yeah. Yeah. But uh, they were great. I mean, this looked so good. There's this one sequence where the doctor is just like leading Donna Noble's family out of her house and down the street. And he uses the sonic screwdriver to make these shields. Yes, that's a new thing. Right. That's a new thing. And I felt that that was sort of a a way to kind of evolve it to like comic book levels, but not let the doctor lose his identity. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, you know, it, it's funny. You've had like the TARDIS for so you, this show is 60 years old and it's, to me, it's always amazing when a writer can figure out something new to do. Yes. And in this episode, we have two things. We have the doctor first drawing a screen and then using it like a monitor screen. Yeah. And then there's the moment you're talking about where he draws like a shield with it. Um, it's, uh, you know, very interesting. But, you know, that was, uh, again, that's one of the Russell T. Davies quirks. Russell T. Davies really liked things like that. Russell T. Davies is the inventor of the um, the psychic paper, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, which he uses again in this as well. That was probably my favorite joke of the whole episode was when he holds up his thing and he's like, I'm the yeah. minister of knowledge or something. And he says, oh, it says it's the mistress of knowledge. He's like, catch up. Yeah. I love yeah. that. Yeah. I, um. I mean, I don't really remember the sonic screwdriver being as big a deal in the older version of the show. Versus no, I don't now. think it is. Well, first yeah. of all, I don't believe. I think the second or third Doctor was the first one to have it. Okay. The first one that doesn't have one, and then I think one of the Doctors later on doesn't use one. I'm not sure. Okay. Um. Uh. Tennant used it a lot. Uh, Matt Smith used it a lot. Yeah. Um, but you remember, you know, the third doctor didn't even travel in time. That's right. where he, he doesn't have a TARDIS. He's like, that's where the whole unit stuff comes from. Right. Right. Yeah. And I like that stuff. I watched a few episodes with, with him too. And I, I was really digging that. He, he was like an old man, but he would do like Kung Fu moves. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. It just has this amazing, weird law lore, you know, and yeah, it, it's it, totally it, weird. Every new character uh, version of the Doctor brings so much to it. But, um, like, just kind of going back to the Star Beast and, and this episode, you know, you have essentially these Wrath Warriors coming after the Star Beast. The Star Beast seems like this cre cute creature that, you know, you feel for at first. Yeah. And then there's reference to a, like, lunatic sun, or basically like a sun that yeah. made the Star Beast's uh, people go crazy. The Meep's people go yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that is such a British thing. That's so Grant Morrison to say that it's a lunatic sun. Right. You right. know, I it love that. It was a that. sentient sun that lost its mind. Right, right, right. It's so weird. Right. And then, so then you have these like uh, British soldiers or whatever that are under its influence and um, they look great. And then just like everything was like a, a level above previous yeah. Doctor Who, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so were you satisfied with the way that Donna was essentially saved? Yes, uh, I I was. Um, I guess I always wanted a happy ending for Donna. Mm -hmm. 
And yeah, I was satisfied. I mean, that's sci-fi, right? You write yourself into a corner, then you figure out a way out of it. I mean, we can nitpick it, right? In the original show, if I'm remembering correctly, the reason why she was going to die was because he had so much memory and so much knowledge it couldn't fit in a human brain. Yeah. Like now what they're saying is uh, it's a meta crisis. It's more like power in her body. And then they let the power go. You know, Doctor yes. Who, but that's the thing. Doctor Who has, you know, 60 years of continuity. Yet Doctor Who will kind of hand wave continuity away. Yes. You know, Doctor Who will say, you know, in the in the TV movie, which was the eighth Doctor, um, right, Paul says, McGann. I'm half human. Right. We just never mention that ever again. <laughs> yeah. Valiard. Who's the Valiard? Is it a person? Is, is at some point later on they say the Doctor's the Valiard, and then like it's just it's all very malleable. Yeah. So, like you can't. There's no nitpicking with Doctor Who continuity. Doctor Who continuity is, I think, um, like a fool's errand. Ah, dude, you know your stuff, though. Referencing the Valiard and you know <laughs> all the earlier Doctor School. That you know, I, I'm excited because as far as my like regular friends I interact with pretty normally, like there's you, there's Danny, there's Brian, and they don't know this kind of Doctor Who stuff. So it's cool mm -hmm. that you do. You know, w would you want to come back on and do the other two specials sure, too? Yeah. 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 So, um. What are you hoping to get out of the next two specials? Um, I think uh, I think we're going to learn why the Doctor is back. When the Doctor became Peter Capaldi, Peter Capaldi had been in the show earlier as a different character. He had played a character in, I believe, a Tenet episode. The, the episode with, um, oh crap, what episode was it? It was, oh, well, I forget what it was, but it was an episode where um, Peter Capaldi played the the father of a family that he saved. So when they hired Peter Capaldi to be the doctor, they actually um, wrote it into the story. The doctor, he says, like, I know this, I recognize this face. And then at a few episodes into his season, um, he remembers the old story and he, he realizes that he picked the face of someone he saved as a way to remind himself who he is and what he's supposed to do. Oh, so, again, cool. that's a little change in, you know, yeah. there's little tweaks in continuity that then opens things up. Yeah. So I think, I'm not sure what it's going to be, but it seems that the doctor has chosen to be David Tennant's face again to remind himself something. I don't know what. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I'm glad that you bring that up because to me, whenever the doctor regenerates, he always acts kind of surprised. And I know it's like to kind of mirror what the audience is thinking or to make it more exciting. Right. Like, Oh, I'm a girl or, you know, like, and, and um, um, it, it seems like, well, wouldn't he either have a, a control over it or like, why would he become so different looking? And right, 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 right. what you're saying is it kind of almost implies that the doctor, like the doctor is almost like this over being. And then like each regeneration is like, like a, like a piece of him, yeah. you know, 
And and so it's like this overbeing is like picking what he would look like next, you know? Yeah, yeah. Or something subconscious is doing it. Subconscious, right, but right, he's right. He's trying to send a message to himself. I should say, I, I didn't say this before, but I think this is something you'd find interesting. As part of the timeless child lore, yeah, they essentially said that at some point the doctor's memory was completely erased. So in fact, the first doctor is not the first doctor. He may have had millions and zillions of regenerations throughout his God knows how long history. I see. I see. I see. Yeah, that's crazy. Because um, wasn't there also this implication that this black British actress, that she was another version of the doctor too? Yeah, she was. I forget where the timeline she was. I think she was before the first doctor. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And then also, oh yeah, besides that, isn't it also implied that the doctor's from like another reality? And like, yeah, the, it's, the, it's, it's kind of, I mean, you, it, that might be, I don't know, I don't know where, if they're ever going to pick it up again. But basically, yeah. it's just like the timeless child, they just like the Gallifreyans just find a child that like can regenerate like crazy. And they basically take that power from the doctor and use it for themselves. That's fucked up, man. Oh man. Well, I, I'm curious as to what's gonna happen next and, and talking to you, man, actually makes me want to go kind of close the gap with the previous doctors. Like, I think it's all on actually yeah. it's on max right now. Is it? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's on Disney. The, the, just the specials are on Disney. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And it's going forward. It's going to be on Disney. Yeah. And Disney's kicking in some, some budget. Disney is more than just airing it. It's helping, which is the Disney empire you know the Muppets and Star Wars and Marvel and now Doctor Who. There's nothing that Disney will not take. Yes, Indiana Jones and they own yeah. Predator and Alien, all that kind of stuff. Right. Which that brings up my last question for you, Mike. And you know, on your channel, on a you know pop culture man children, you guys always end it by go, saying go bye bye like yeah. animal. With <laughs> yeah. me, I want to get a nice little plug from you. But I got one last question for you. If you take all the big sci-fi franchises that everyone loves, or to varying degrees, so you have Star Wars, Star Trek, Doctor Who, and not all of them are as equally popular, obviously, too. Is there any others that you would add to that, first off? Uh, Star Wars, Star Trek, Doctor Who, as far as sci-fi franchises go. At the moment, I can't think of anything, but I'm sure there's something I'll think of later and be like, oh, my God, how could I forget that? Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe someone in the comments will be like, you forgot this, dickheads. But yeah. anyway, um, out of those three, then, Star Trek, Star Wars, Doctor Who, how would you rank them as far as your favorite, from favorite to least favorite? So favorite, having nothing to do with quality, just my own personal attachment. Star Wars is, I mean, I saw it as a kid. It, it, it formed me. I, I, when I saw Star Wars, I think it was like 11 or 12. And, you know, Star Wars is like, it's like my religion. It's like, you know what I mean? It's, <laughs> it's so deep in me. Like, even when I hate it, I still watch it. Like, I hated Ahsoka, but I watched every episode like, oh, I fucking hate this. <laughs> but I had to watch it. Yep. I've had that experience multiple times. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So Star Wars number one is Star Trek number two and then Doctor Who. No, I mean, I'm to be honest with you, Star Trek. I'm I'm almost getting into Star Trek more now. Yeah. So, um, you know, when I do the episodes on PCMC, I do it with my friend Vin Forte, who yeah. is a real Trekkie. So he's kind of coming from a place of knowing stuff, and I'm kind of coming from a place of I'm new to the fandom. Okay. Um. So it, it would be Star Wars, Who, and um, uh, then 
you know, Trek. But uh, but you know what? I don't have a Star Wars tattoo, and but I do have a Doctor Who tattoo. Oh, are so, you able so, to show so, us? So yeah, it, I have a TARDIS tattoo. Very nice. Oh yeah, look at that. So in some ways, I think you know, there's something very deeply touching to me about the Doctor and his whole ethos. Sure. Excellent. Okay. Yeah, I'd say for me. Uh, it's tough because Star Trek, I watched The Next Generation as a kid, like every Sunday with my parents. And, yeah. you know, we went to the theater to watch the movies. So I almost would put Star Trek first. But I feel like Star Wars is much more personally, just for me and not my parents, my thing. I probably know the most about Star Wars. Yeah. And then Doctor Who would probably be third. So I, I guess I'd have to go Star Wars, Star Trek, Doctor Who. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, if you guys are watching, if you want to leave a comment, let us know. How would you rank these three? But, Mike, I, I want you to explain where they can find Pop Culture Manchildren and what it is. So, Pop Culture Manchildren is a podcast that I have hosted throughout all of time. I am the timeless <laughs> child. And it is a podcast that deals with um, all of pop culture and, and retro stuff and nostalgia stuff. You know, Star Wars, Star Trek, uh, movies, video games. We try to get esoteric. We try to do things that people haven't talked about, like episodes on Gravity Falls and episodes on Over the Garden Wall. Um, coming up for Christmas, I'm doing an episode on Stanley Kubrick's Eyes Wide Shut, um, which I say is a Christmas movie. Oh, my um, God. So, so, um, but again, to annoy who whoever may be watching, I think what makes PCMC stand out from a lot of similar content online, um, and I won't I won't name who, but you know who I'm talking about, um, <laughs> is we're not toxic. Oh yeah, we, I was, hey, that's my daughter. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree. You guys are not toxic. <laughs> you guys are very positive, um, and I enjoy listening to your show. I, I feel like that's why you and I are, and then I also like, you know, that you come on my show, I go on your show. Because we just always try to think about the positive and we don't. It's so easy to, like the emperor, give in to hate. Sure. Right, 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 right. right. And, and just like. I do sometimes. I, it's not like my show has no, we're not criticizing things. We do criticize things. Right. But my, um, try not to, you know, be hateful and, uh, you know, stuff like that. And yeah. can I pose a question to you? You don't have to answer Please. it now. I, we, you can answer it the next time we do an episode. Sure. Who would be your ultimate fan casting for the Doctor? If you could pick any actor to play the Doctor, who would it be? Okay, so who has not been the Doctor? Who has not been the Doctor? Okay. Do you have an answer for yourself? I do. Okay, do you want to share yours? Well, unless you want to wait until next time. Let's let's wait until next time. We'll give a little cliffhanger for everybody right, right. there. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Yeah, I and I'll actually have a good answer. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking like, tom hardy right now but that's like so like me joking dumb <laughs> you know i'll have a better one next time All right. so if you guys want to see me and mike talk about doctor who again make sure you subscribe to the uh comic books transform channel and uh we will see you guys next time